Well, we're going to continue in our series about Healthy Church, and uh, ask JT to share with us this morning. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? There's a few of you are doing good, I guess. That's good. I want to tell you guys a story. Um, when I was, I think, like 13 or 14, my family moved from inner city Columbus to the suburbs, and it was a little bit of a culture shock for me. Um, but I went from a school where I had tons of friends. I just felt like I was friends with everyone in my school to going into a new school that was kind of, I was a little stressed out about it. I wasn't too worried because I felt like, you know, I'm a social guy. I can make friends, but I w I, it was still stressful for me. So I remember it was the first day of school. We get there, and um, the way the school was laid out was there's this big kind of lobby area that all of the kids in the school would hang out beforehand. And I was walking around, you know, looking at all the different cliques and kind of deciding which one of these cliques I was going to bless with my presence. And, and uh, you know, thinking, oh, they're cool, they're cool. They're, they seem to be funny, and there's some cute girls over here. And um, I remember the class was about to start, so I was going to go run to the restroom. And the, the bathroom was right in the middle of everything. It was, you know, right um, in the center of everything. And I, I go into the bathroom, and I notice it's a very strange bathroom. Um, I noticed that there weren't any urinals in the bathroom. Some of you guys are already kind of picking up. It took me a second. Um, I noticed there's, there's no urinals in here, and I thought, that's odd. And I start looking around, and I notice another very odd thing about this, this bathroom is there's about a dozen girls in the bathroom, which I thought, that's even more strange. And then that's when it hit me. I, saw, I thought, oh, no, you got to get out of here as fast as you can. So I turn around, I bust through the door. As I bust through the door, my books go flying everywhere, and I'm just praying, please, no one notice, no one notice. But obviously, everyone in the school noticed. The, the girls come out screaming, laughing, pointing at me, calling me all kinds of names, and the whole school ends up pointing at me and laughing at me. And I just think, this Obviously, I was devastated. I thought, oh no, how am I going to convince my parents we have to move, that we just moved here? And, and so, you know, going on through the day, I would go to each class, and, you know, every class I would go to, there would be someone, at least one person, who would call me something or point at me and laugh at me. And it just, you know, I get to lunch in the middle of the day, and I sit down at a table by myself, and I think, this is it. This is my life now. I'm, you know, a social pariah. No, I'll never have friends. And, and I remember as I was thinking that, um, there was a table right next to me with a group of kids, and they, they, they say, hey, come sit, with, come sit with us. Come sit with us. And I, I thought, okay, they must have not seen me this morning. But I went and, and sat with them, and it was, it was so cool. Like, some of them were musicians. One of them played guitar, and that was one of the reasons I started playing guitar, and they were into cool music. And they ended up being really close friends of mine. And I noticed, and I thought, I was thinking about it, and I thought, how cool was it that this just little invitation, this little act of kindness that these kids showed me that day, you know, not only changed that day, that day went from like the very worst day of my life to maybe the second or third worst day of my life, but it, it changed my, my whole life. Like my life could have been very different if these kids didn't invite me over. And, and you know what, as I was thinking about it, I thought I've been in that situation a number of times. You know, maybe it's not running into a girl's bathroom, but it's, it's, there's been so many times in my life where I've noticed I felt you know, isolated, or I felt alone, or I felt disconnected. And, and, and I, I think it's probably true that many of us, probably most of us, have felt that on some level. Where, where we can say, from some of us, it's we've started a new job, we don't know anyone, or we've moved to a, a new part of town, or, you know, cross country. And some of us, it's really deep stuff. Like, we went through a divorce, or, or you know, a, a spouse died, or or we're going through a deep, dark depression. And you know what? I really believe that there's something inside of all of us that longs for a connection with people. You know, there's something inside of, I think, every single one of us that, that longs for community, that longs for, for, for relationship with, with other people. 
And our culture does this weird thing where on one hand we, we, we kind of promote it in this sick, twisted way where we sing songs like, you're nobody until somebody loves you. Like, you don't matter unless someone loves you. Or we have these movies where you watch it and the, 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 the classic line that we remember is someone saying, you complete me. Saying, I don't have meaning. I'm not complete without you, which is this sick, untrue thing. But then on the other hand, we have these songs talking about, you know, you got to be a rock. Be an island. You don't need anyone. You're independent. We, we, we promote this idea of individualism and, and, you know, not letting anyone getting in your way. So I, I feel like we have this culture of people who are just really confused. And to be honest, a lot of people who, who feel depressed, who feel lonely, who feel, feel very isolated. You know, and I, and, and I, but honestly, I don't think it's unique to our culture. You know, I think it's not unique to this time or this country. I think since the dawn of time, people have felt this way. You know, if you look through the Bible, this Bible speaks to this a lot. It talks about this very issue over and over again. And we've been going through this series of, of what a healthy church looks like. And I think a healthy church cares deeply about this issue. You know, a healthy church sees people who are lonely and isolated and broken, and we are to, called to be in, in, inviters. We're called to invite them in. So we're going to be looking at that today, that a healthy church is inviting. A healthy church is an inviting church. You know, you might see a title like this, and, you know, if, I, if it was me, if I saw a title like this, my mind would automatically assume that this is going to be a talk about church growth, or we need to get people in our church or to fill the pews or to fill the green chairs more accurately. But um, this is not about that. This is not about just inviting people to church. This is about a heart issue. This is about seeing this, this, this problem, this deep issue within our culture of just isolation and loneliness and, and depression and, and caring about it and inviting people into relationship and being a church that cares deeply for those issues. So we're going to be looking today at, at three ways that I feel, I mean, there's probably tons of ways we can be inviting, but the Lord really put on my heart three ways that we are to be an inviting church and, and an inviting people. And the first one, if you've looked ahead on your notes, is an outward invitation where we're inviting people in an outward way. There's, there's an upward invitation and there's an inward invitation. We're going to press that out and see what I mean by those three different types of invitations. But before we do, let me just pray. So Father, I just ask you to, to be here with me this morning and be with us. And I just pray that you give me clarity of speech, that you just uh, allow me to say the words you've put on my heart and you just um, let those words that you've put on my heart stick to the, to, the, to the people's ears who are here this morning. In your name, amen. So to, to get a good foundation of what I mean by all this stuff about being an inviting church, we have to start all the way back at the beginning of the Bible and and a book called Genesis. The Genesis is the first book in the Bible. And what we'll see if you look at Genesis is that God created us. God created man and, 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 and woman to be these relational beings. He created us for relationship. He created us to be in relationship with him. Do you know that God himself, God's character, he is a relational being. Just the idea of the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in and of itself is a relationship. And we are created in God's image. So we are to be re relational. We are be, to be in relationship with God. But not only that, we are created to be in relationship with one another. And not only are those relationships important, not only were we created to be in relationship, we were created for a purpose. God created us that under his rule, under his authority, we are to be co-laborers with him and, and rule the earth and subdue the earth. That we are to be partners with God. We had a purpose in our creation to be in relationship and to work alongside God. And we see very soon after in the story of creation, in fact, just a chapter later, uh, we decided that we didn't trust God. That we wanted to do our own thing. That we thought we knew better. And what we see is what, is what we know as the fall. Some people know it as, as the great disconnect. 
And what happened is there was a disconnect in our relationship with God. And we think about that, that the sin that entered this world, the, the, the decision that we made disconnected us from, from our relationship with God. But not only that, it disconnected us from almost everything. It affected everything. So yeah, we were created to be right with God. We were also created to be right with one another. And that relationship was broken. The relationship between Adam and Eve was broken at that point. And not only are those relationships broken, but the relationship to ourselves was broken. You know, the purpose in which we were created for had been distorted. So the way we see ourselves, the way we view who we are, the way we think about ourselves was broken because of the fall. You know, my dad, when he, was, when he was sharing the announcements, he was talking about the gospel of wholeness. And this is something that the gospel of wholeness really presses into. This idea that there are three relationships that had been broken by the fall. And it's our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and our relationship with ourselves. And I just want to encourage you guys. I've taken the gospel of wholeness you know, maybe four or five times, and I'm going to take it again because every time I do, I get something new and, and really, I, I don't go a week without using the principles from the gospel wholeness in my life. So I want to encourage you guys, even if you've taken it before, take it again. It's, it's really good stuff. But we see this today. We see these broken relationships, don't we? And you know, the reason that we have these broken relationships, you know, both with God, the reason we feel that God can be so distant and that we feel like, I, I just have no relationship with them. The reason that we feel like there's brokenness and a disconnect with, with one another, maybe our, our, a spouse or an ex-spouse or uh, a family member or, or someone down the street, and, or maybe the reason that we feel this disconnect to who we really are is because of sin. Did you know that? The reason why we have these broken relationships is because of sin. You know, the reason we feel lonely the reason we feel isolated, it's a result of sin. Both our sin, you know, the sins that we've committed, the sins that have been committed against us by others, or just the, the fact that we have been born into a, a sinful, broken world. You know, when we take our first breath in, we are, we are, being, uh, we are breathing air from a broken world. You know, God designed us to be in relationship. God designed us to be in community. And because of sin, because of fall, those relationships have been severed. And today we feel the consequences of that, don't we? I know I do. So when Jesus came, when Jesus was here on this earth and he was, he was doing his ministry, what he did on the cross was not only to repair and, and restore our relationship with God. We often think about what Jesus did on the cross was our, you know, our ticket to heaven. Or that we were been saved so we could go to heaven. And that's true. And thank God that's true. But also he came to repair the relationships with one another. Did you know that Jesus died on the cross to repair our relationships with one another? You know, Jesus died on the cross not only so we could um, have relationship with him and one another so that our purpose would be restored. God died not only that we could be saved from something, but saved to something, that we could re be restored into the very purpose that he created us for, to be in relationship with him, to be in relationship with one another, and, and to, to, to work with him and to join him in what he is doing. I believe all of these relationships God was addressing on the cross, saying, I'm going to fix them. I want to fix these things. So I, I really believe that a healthy church is a church, you know, if Jesus was willing to die for these relationships, a healthy church is one who, who really cares deeply about these relationships. So the first invitation I want to talk about is the outward invitation. The outward invitation. Well, here's what I mean by that. This is inviting others into relationship. And on a really human level, it's, I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about inviting people to be a part of your life. You know, and this sounds really simple and basic, but listen, this is inside of the church. This is outside of the church. 
And we are called to be inviters. We are called to, to invite people into, into relationship, into community, into friendship. And this is so evident. If you look at the, the Gospels, if you look at the story of Jesus, this is one of the core things that Jesus was doing. You know, everywhere that Jesus went, everywhere that Jesus would go, he was being relational. He was inviting people in. He was, he was looking for the people who were isolated, who had been ostracized, who, who felt, you know, alone or, or on the outskirts. And he was inviting them into relationship. Um, and, and, and honestly, a lot of the healings he would do were so that they could be restored back into relationship and back into community. Jesus was going around engaging people, eating with them, and just being relational, being friends with one people. And I think if you do a study, if you look through the Gospels and underline every time you see Jesus doing something inviting, saying something inviting, like saying, come to me, follow me, like I want to eat with you, like let me come over to your home, or, or come, to, he was just constantly inviting people into relationship. See, I really believe this is one of the core things that Jesus was doing. He was calling people into relationship, and he was modeling for us what that looks like, how we should, how we should engage people. And you know, I think this, this was something he valued so much. Jesus valued just this, this, the way we love one another and the way we, we communicate to one another and the way we treat one another so much that when he was asked by an a, a, a expert in the law, a religious leader at the time, he was asked, like, what's the most important thing in the Bible? You know, out of all of these laws, out of all of these rules and commandments in the Bible, what's the most important thing? Listen to what he says. I'm going to have it up there. It's in Matthew chapter 22. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And this is how Jesus replies. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So he's saying the first thing is loving God. That's the most important thing. And he says, The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He is saying that everything in the Bible, everything in the Bible hangs on these two things. These are the, 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 you know, the cornerstones of what we believe, that we should love God with all our hearts, but we should love our neighbor as well. The way we love our neighbor, and it goes on, you know, in another account of this story, the guy goes on to say, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers him in the way that Jesus typically did by telling him a story that seems kind of unrelated. But he tells him this story that's one of the most popular stories in, in the Bible, and it's the Good Samaritan. And just to, to, you know, quickly tell you the story, it's about this guy who is broken down on the side of the road and injured, and many people were walking by him and not stopping. But a Samaritan stopped and helped him. And I think there's a lot of stuff we can, we can get out of that story, and there's a lot of truths that we can learn. But in the context, you'd have to th realize that Samaritans, they weren't the, the, they weren't the way we think of neighbors. When we think of neighbors in our culture, the Samaritans are not who we would think of. Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. They didn't like one another. You know, in fact, the as a, at a very early age, you were taught as a Jew or a Samaritan that you don't interact. Don't talk to the other people. And if you read the historical books at the time, you know, not even the ones in the Bible, you see these, there was violent confrontations between the Samaritans and the Jews. They were just at odds most of the time. So the point, I think, of the Good Samaritan in context of who is my neighbor was Jesus saying, anyone. Anyone who crosses your path, anyone who you come in contact with, that's your neighbor. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous sermons Jesus ever gives, he takes it even a step further. He says, he challenges us not only to love our neighbor, but to love our enemy. To love our enemies. I'm still trying to work that one out. Uh, to, it's still in all of these things. You know, I was talking to Warren this morning. These things can be messy. How do we love our, our, our neighbors? How do we love our enemies? I don't know. I'm not saying it. Jesus said it. We are called to love these people and invite them into relationship like Jesus did. 
is do you know that Jesus died on a cross for those people? And he knew most of them would spit in his face and, and, and cheer for him to be nailed to the cross. So I'm still trying to work that out, what that looks like in, in my everyday life. But I know that there's a call for us to love our neighbors and to love our enemies. You know, so many times I feel like I've, I've missed the point. You know, I, I'll, I'll view church as this place where I'm supposed to gather with, you know, the people who think the same way as me. And we're supposed to sing these songs and build these walls to keep us safe from the bad guys. No, but I, I just think it's, 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 we've missed the point. We're not supposed to build walls. We're supposed to build bridges. We're supposed to build bridges. We are supposed to be engaging people in the community, inviting people into our lives. Not figuring out how we can stop them, but figuring out how we can get in there. How can we love these people better? To love like Jesus did. And it's not just other Christians. It's not people who have the same political views. It's not people who have the same views on morality or sexuality or or any of these things. It's everybody. We're called to love everybody and invite them into relationship. Invite them into our lives. And listen, this is important. This is very important what I'm about to say. This is, I'm not talking about a strategy for evangelism. I'm not talking about, you know, let's be really nice to people so that we can get them into our church and we can, we can tell them about Jesus. I'm not talking about a strategy for evangelism. I'm talking about loving people just for the sake of loving people. Because they have value. Because they're sons and daughters of the king. They are our brothers and sisters. They have value and we are called to love them period, no matter what. That whether they come to Jesus ever or not, we are called to invite them into relationship. We're called to invite them into our lives and, 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 and love them and value them. You know, and we, we hope they come to know Jesus, but we love and pursue relationship with them whether they do or not. Let me put it this way. I have many friends who don't know Jesus, I have lots of friends who don't know Jesus and oftentimes I tell them about Jesus. Sometimes I tell them about Jesus a lot. But they know that I value them regardless. That I love them whether, they not, whether or not they come to know him or not. They don't feel like I'm just trying to convert them. So l- let me put it this way. We love our neighbors not so they will be converted. We love our neighbors because we have been converted. You hear that? We love our neighbors not so they will be converted. We love our neighbors because we have been converted. So practically, it's opening up our lives, inviting people into our homes. You know, it's, it's eating lunch with our coworkers. It's listening to people. It's really listening to people, listening to their stories, being slow to speak, quick to listen. And this can be inside of the church or outside of the church. You know, there are people here this morning who, who are deeply lonely, who feel very isolated and are struggling. And we are called to look within the church and outside the church. I want, I want to care deeply for that. I want our church to care deeply for that. And you know, this sermon is just as much for me as it is for anyone. As I was, I was talking to, to my wife yesterday and I was telling her, you know, as I was preparing the sermon, I was getting so convicted. This was a hard one for me, for me to, to study for. You know, I come home from work most days and pull into my garage and I shut the garage door and, it's, and I just veg out. And, and, and listen, there's, there's a lot of, I'm not, alone time is great and family time is super important and healthy boundaries are really great. But I know, I know that God is calling me to open up my life more and more to the people around me. You know, I know I, know I may, and you may spend a lot of time in reading the Bible and, and singing worship songs and, and prayer, 
but I'm trying to be more intentional in getting to know my neighbors, getting to know the people around me, inviting people into relationship. And I think that's true for every one of us. God is calling us to be inviting people into relationship because he loves them. And there's going to be some of us who are really, really good at it. And I don't know if you know Kat. Kat works at the front desk at our church. She, if you talk to Kat for about two minutes, you feel like you're her best friend. She's so relational. You know, and we'll go out as a staff sometimes. And wherever we go, she'll know like five people. She's just friends with everybody. And this is, it's through so much value in what she's doing. It's because she gets it. There's so much value in just being friends with people, being relational with people, being hospitable, being an inviter. Don't diminish its value. Don't feel like it's less than or it's not as important. It's just as important as what I'm doing right now. It's just as important as preaching. It's just as important as praying for the sick. Being, inviting people into relationship, into community is so important. It is kingdom work. So the, that's, that's, I think, so important. So the first way we are called to, to invite is simply that. Just invite people into friendship. Invite people into relationship. You know, the second way we are called to be inviting is an upward invitation. So if the first one was outward, the second one is upward. And this is inviting people into relationship with God. And I still stand by what I, what I said, that I think it's important to remember we love people for the sake of loving people, but also we want the people that we love, the people that we care for, to meet their Heavenly Father, to, to meet Jesus. You know, that's the primary relationship that was damaged by the fall. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, listen to what it says. It says, God who reconciled us to himself through Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the essence of the gospel. That is so wonderful. That is good news. That God is, is taking people who have been disconnected and reconnecting uh, them, reconciling them back into relationship. And it's, it's really God who's doing the inviting. God is the one who's invited people into relationship, and he's just calling us to tell people about it. That's what that's saying. He's saying he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, but it's his ministry. It's like this. God is having a huge party. It's like God is throwing this enormous party, and he's saying everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. Now just go tell people about it. Make sure they know about it. And I love looking at it this way. It's like, it's like going up to people and saying, did you hear about the party? Did you hear about, did you hear about the party? Let me, let, me, let me tell you about it. I can take you there. Let me, let me show you. You know, I, I oftentimes will think of stuff like evangelism or sharing our faith as these programs or these, you know, these set of arguments, but I, I really think it's just inviting people to meet Jesus. It's inviting people to meet Jesus. And it's not necessarily getting people to believe certain things. Don't get me wrong. What we believe is really important. You know, last week we, we talked about how we're a church, a healthy church believes the Bible and values the Bible. So what we believe is really, really important. But I think sometimes we get it backwards where we try so hard to get people to believe certain things so they can meet Jesus. I think that's backwards. I think Jesus says, no, come meet me first. And then, and then I'll help you work this stuff out. I think if people meet and encounter the living God, what they believe will follow suit. Everything will change. So it's, an, it's inviting people to meet Jesus. So that, so that can look like inviting people to church. 
inviting people to your small group. But honestly, I think it's most of the time just in our day-to-day conversations with people. You know, I, I just want people to come in contact with the Holy Spirit any way possible. So, so when I'm talking to people, I'm just praying, Lord, come meet us. And this is not, this is, again, this is not a talk about wanting to see our church grow. But you know what? I love when our church is, I love that we, we have a growing church. Because you know what that tells me? Is that people are walking through those doors and they're meeting Jesus. They're meeting Jesus. And I, and, and I think people, people are, are, are pretty perceptive. You know, people understand that when we're just being nice to them and we're just loving them for the sake of, of evangelizing to them, I think they, they pick up on that. You know when you go into like a car dealership or, or you're, you're, you're looking to buy something and the salesperson's just being way too nice and you're like, I know what you're up to. I know you're just trying to sell. I think that's how a lot of people outside the church look at us Christians. We may be, have a huge smile on our face and saying all the right things, but they can tell we're just being nice to, you're just being nice to me so you can, you know, sell me on your religion. I think people pick up on that stuff. So we just need to love people and, and, and you know, for the sake of loving people, but also just try to introduce them to Jesus. You know, and I've, I've often noticed in my life, at least, I have, like, really counted on the church to do the outreach. Like, to put on these programs or to do these events. And, and at VCDC, we will do those things. But stuff like the food pantry or the medical clinic or, or when we go down to the New Age festivals or the concerts on the square, I'll, I'll view those as the, that's where the outreach happens. And you know what the truth is, though? Those things can be effective, but you know what I think is the most effective thing? It's when the people of the church, it's when you and me are so excited about Jesus. It's when our hearts have been really changed by the gospel and we are just telling people about it in our everyday lives and we're living it out. And our, the way we treat you know, our spouses, the way we treat our coworkers, the way we act is, is a testament to what Jesus has done. And it's inviting people in our daily lives into the Lord's presence. Because here's the thing, if the stuff in this book is true, if the stuff in this book is true, if the promises in this book are, are true, then I want everyone I know to hear about it. I want everyone I know to come in contact with this amazing God who would die for us. And alongside with positioning people into, into meeting Jesus, I think we're, we're just simply called to be a witness. And that's a churchy word. I know it is, saying you've got to be a witness and go and witness. But let me just tell you what that means really quick. A witness, if you think about it in like a court setting or in a, uh, in a, a trial, a witness is someone who's just simply saying, this is what I saw or this is what I've experienced or this is, this is what I heard. And that's what Jesus is calling us to be, witnesses. So it's, 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 it's you know, simply communicating to people what Jesus has done in our lives. It's not knowing a ton of apologetics necessarily. It's not knowing a ton of deep theology. And I love that stuff. I read books about that stuff. But it's simply just saying, let me tell you about what I saw. Or let me tell you about what God has done in my life. We do that with our words. We do that with our actions. I know one of my really good friends when I was younger, he was was agnostic which basically just means he, he wasn't sure what he believed. He didn't know if he believed in God or not. And I remember every, about once a week, we'd have these really deep, deep conversations. Well, honestly, sometimes they weren't very deep. Sometimes they were about girls or whatever. But, but we would typically have these really deep conversations where we'd sit in my car in front of his house, and you know, he, we would sometimes talk about God, and he would have these really, really hard questions. These really tough questions, and I would do my best to answer these questions for him and, um, you know, give him really good biblical answers and walk him through things. And I remember one time we were talking, and he was asking me some questions that were really tough, and I remember God speaking to me really clearly and saying, he's always going to have another question. Why don't you just tell him about me? Tell him about what I've done in your life. So, 
I remember saying, that's a, that's a great question. You have, you have some really good questions. But you, you know why I believe all this stuff? You know why I believe in this stuff? is because I know Jesus. Because I've met him. And he meets with me every day. And I talk with him. And he talks back to me. And he helps me. And he, he interacts with me. And I said, and you know what? I, I could introduce you to him. And he said, oh, okay. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. But we, we invited the Lord to come. And, and he ended up giving his, his life to Christ that night. And the, the Holy Spirit just really showed up. And, and, and I have found that's been the most effective thing. That's been what's been most effective in my life. It's not when I try to have these crafty arguments where I corner people into saying, well, you have to believe now. It's when, it's when I just introduce people to Jesus and tell them what Jesus has done in my life. So, so we talked about this outward invitation where we're just simply inviting people into friendships, inviting and loving people for the sake of loving people. And, and, and we talked about this uh, um, upward invitation where we're inviting people to be back in relationship with their father, with, with, with God, the God of this universe. And finally, the last kind of invitation I want to talk about is an inward invitation. And here's what I mean. It's kind of a flip side to, to what we've been talking about. See, the truth is, for some of us, we've become so isolated. You know, we may be followers of Christ, we may be Christians, and we may be doing all these things, like inviting people into these relationships and inviting people to meet Jesus. I think we've built walls around ourselves. You know, as, as I was preparing this message, the Lord spoke really clearly to me and said, you know, Jay, there's going to be a lot of people here this weekend who are hurting, who have deep, deep, deep needs. But a lot of them are afraid to ask for help. A lot of them are even just unaware that they have those needs. He, go, he went on to talk to me about how some people are just, don't want to be a burden, and some people, you know, they, they are just so focused on other people's needs that they, they are not even aware that they're, they're, they're struggling. Or that they're feeling burnt out. Or sometimes they just don't want to ruin their witness or, or things like that. But listen, I know many times this can be me. Many times I'm so focused on serving others that I forget that, that I have needs. But listen to what James chapter 5 says. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is what it's saying. We are called to allow others to pray for us. We're called to, to speak, to allow others to speak truth into our lives. We're called to, to be vulnerable and to, to confess our sins to one another. To invite people into the places of our lives that may be ugly. You know, one of the biggest criticisms that at least I hear about the church is that we're hypocrites. That we're really quick to point the finger, but, you know, we don't let people see the junk that we're doing. Sometimes that's true. But Jesus is calling us to, to invite people into those places, to ask for help, to admit that we're broken. I remember hearing a sermon when I was in high school. Uh, it was at a youth group or a youth conference or something, and they were ta talking to, to us kids about you know, when we go out into the world and we leave church and we, we go into our schools to not wear a mask, that we wear masks when we go out into the world. I remember the Lord speaking really clearly to me and saying, you wear a mask when you're in church. You don't wear a mask when you're out in the world. You wear a mask when you're in church. I think that's true to the, to, for me today a lot of times. I tr think that's true for a lot of us, that we... We don't want people to see the, the gross stuff that we're dealing with or the, the, the ugliness in our lives. So we wear a mask when we're in church. But Jesus is calling us to invite people into those places. 
And I think sometimes we think that if we admit that we're struggling, it means that we're weak. And the truth is, is it kind of does. It does mean that we're weak. But you know what? I remember as a little kid singing the song that most of you guys will know that says that we are weak, but he is strong. It's the foundation of the Bible that, yeah, we are weak. We're supposed to admit that we're weak. But guess what? The moment you can admit that you're weak or the moment that you can admit that you are in need, you are a step ahead of the game. You're a step ahead of when you weren't able to admit it. That's why we try really hard to make no stigma about coming forward to get prayer. You'll see pastors coming forward to get prayer, leaders coming forward to get prayer. And I hope that in our small groups it's the same way. I hope in our ministry time it's like this. I hope in our day-to-day lives that we are allowing people to enter those places. You know, to hold us accountable. To hold us accountable. To speak truth to us. To say, don't go in that direction. Or I see, I see a really unhealthy pattern happening in, in, in your life. Or maybe it's to, to do the opposite, to speak encouragement. To say, you've been doing a great job. Or you know what? You are a really gifted, you know, inviter. Or you're a really gifted teacher. Or I love hearing you sing worship. Or to, or to pray for one another, to invite people to pray for us when we're sick or struggling. We're to offer practical help to say, I need, I need help this weekend in this really practical way. And inviting people into those places. places. But I think for a lot of us, we feel like we don't want to be a burden. We just feel like we're a burden. But do you know in Galatians, Paul tells us that as the church, we are to carry one another's burdens. So you know, we need to allow the church to be the church. We're being diso- when we don't allow people to help us, we're being disobedient. And we're robbing people of the opportunity to, to do things that the Lord has called them to do. And to, to walk out in the purposes that they were created for when we don't allow them to do it. We are all in need. Some of us are in very obvious places of need and some, some not so much. But we are all in need. And we need to invite people, invite others to be a part of it. We are not islands. No matter what you know, the songs may tell us, we're not rocks. We are not islands. We are not people who don't need help. We need help. And you know, I think for some of us, it's gotten, it's gotten to the point where we are so isolated where we don't even allow God into those places. Where we say, God, these parts are off limits. Or, or we think, you know, God, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to work through this. And, th- and, then, and then, you know, we'll have a good relationship or whatever. But God is saying, let me into those places. You know, a healthy church, a healthy follower of Christ is one who is, who is inviting people into those places, who's being vulnerable, who's being real, who's being honest. And so I think this morning, the Lord is calling us to, to, to be inviters in, in, in so many different ways. He's calling us to look outside and think, who, who is isolated? Who is broken? Who is in need? Who is in need to be in community and relationship and for us to invite them in? He's calling us to be, to be focused on the people who don't know Jesus and call them back into relationship with their Father. He's also calling us to be more real, more vulnerable and allowing people, not even allowing people, inviting people into those places of our lives. So why don't, why don't we stand? Here's how, here's how I want to end. You know, I, I really believe it's true that all of us are in need. And I, I, I really, really think it's true that the, the sooner you can just admit to it and the sooner you can just say, yeah, I'm in need, the, the better off you're going to be. Um, and so I think there's people here who have just very, very practical things that they know I am in need of this. You know, I'm in need of friendship or I'm in need of, of I'm sick. I've been really sick. Or some of us, we have these, you know, um, habitual sins that we've been, you know, struggling with for years. 
And the Lord is calling us to confess our sins to one another, to be vulnerable and real. Some of us are, are feeling just lonely and isolated. And the Lord wants to come and show up this morning in all of those areas. You know, last night as we were moving into ministry time, someone had a word from the Lord that she had woken up early in the morning with, with her sick grandchild and her grandchild was just vomiting everywhere. And just looking to her, it's like, I need you to do something. And, and she was, you know, like kind of holding back her own vomit, but, but just being there to like clean, clean him up and saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wash you clean. I'm gonna wipe you clean. And the word for the church was that some of us feel like that kid. Some of us feel like we just have all this, all this vomit. It could be unforgiveness. It could be bitterness. It could be judgments. It could be, you know, sin, or it could just be the, peop- the sins of, that people have committed against us, these things that we've been carrying since we were a kid. Words spoken to us by our parents or, or things that our parents did or never did to, for us. And God will say, I want to clean you up this morning. I want to wipe all that, all that away. So as, as we worship, I just want to invite you to the fort. If you have a need to come up to the, to the front and, and, and let's be the church. Let's pray for one another. So we're going to worship and just start making your way forward. And as people come up, if, 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 if we just want to, someone wants to come and lay their hand on their shoulder and just ask them what they want prayer for, and just say a simple prayer. Just invite the Holy Spirit. But just start making your way forward. Kneel me down. Oh, kneel me down again here at your feet. Show me how much you love humility. Oh, Spirit, be the star that God of the broken, the friend of the weak. You wash the feet of the weary, embrace the ones in need. And I want to be like you, Jesus, to have this heart in me you are the god of the humble you are the humble king oh kneel me down again here at your feet show me how much you love humility and oh spirit be the star that leads me to the humble heart of love that I see You are the God of the broken, the friend of the weak. You wash the feet of the weary, embrace the ones in need. And I want to be like you, Jesus have this heart in me you are the god of the humble you are the humble king lord we thank you for that we thank you that you're the god of the humble 
that you come and meet with the people who, who are, are, are humble and vulnerable and who are in need. And you're not a God who just goes after the perfect or the people who've got it all figured out, but you're the, a God who pursues people who are broken and lonely and isolated and depressed. So Father, I just pray that for, the, for, those of, uh, for those of us here who are just really struggling with loneliness, feeling isolated, I just pray that the Holy Spirit just draws close this morning. That you will be our comforter, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you will be our comforter. Lord, I pray that that we can be a church that that, um, has a heart to be inviters. That we are inviting people into friendship. That we are inviting people into community, into into relationship. That we can have our eyes on on the things that you care about. And we can see those who, 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 who need you, Jesus. And we can introduce people to you, Lord. Lord, I pray for a spirit of humility within this church. Lord, I pray that we could be known as a, as a vulnerable church, a church that you know wears our heart on our sleeve, that's open. That we, we don't wear masks. That we're real with one another. Lord, I pray for that. That's just my heart, Lord. I, I really want that within myself and within, within this church, Lord. So, so why, don't, why don't we open up our hands? I'm just going to pray a blessing over everybody. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you come and give us your eyes. I pray that you fill us up with your spirit. I just pray for, for a, um, just an infiltration of the, the Holy Spirit in our lives, that there's more anointing, we see more of the evidence of, 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 of your work in our lives. And I pray that you break our hearts for what breaks yours. I pray that you, get, you, you just give us your heart, that inviting heart that's calling people into relationship. Lord, and just, again, I just pray for everyone in here that you, you give them your spirit of humility. And as we leave this, this place, that we, we remember these words and we remember this uh, what you've called us to. In your name, amen. So if you're getting prayer, I just want to encourage you guys to keep getting prayer. If you, It's not too late. If there's something you need prayer for, please grab someone, ask them to pray for you. But as you leave, I want to encourage you guys, check out the small groups. That's a great way to, to get plugged in and to, to, to um, work this stuff out. Also sign up for the gospel of wholeness and bless you guys. If you're new, stop by, say hi to us and the visitors welcome. Bless you.